Welcome to the Washington Union Alliance Church Podcast, an archive of our recorded sermons. We're a Christian and Missionary Alliance Church located in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. For more information, go to wuac.org. When was the last time you experienced silence? Some of you right now, it's like, this was the last time things were silent in my life, (laughs) or just two seconds ago. People are a noisy breed. We live in a very noisy world, and many of us enjoy something in the background. In fact, it gives us anxiety when things are silent, and sitting in quiet places and quiet rooms often leads to more anxiety, Um, and we are something, and it's something that we are addicted to. Um, rather than just simply being in silence together. And we are addicted to noise. We are addicted to that. There's noise coming from the iPhone uh, or the television and the music, and all of it drowns out silence. It's the norm to wear headphones now when you travel. It's the norm to wear headphones in the grocery store. At least I see that sometimes. Um, It's normal, and people are working now. You see headphones, people working, and they have headphones, and we travel, or even in the store, and to a harmful degree, it feels like uh, we are connected. We like to feel connected to the world that we're living in through it. We have a fear of missing out, right? Those dings on your iPhone or your phone or Android or whatever, those dings are addicting. They can add to entirely new weight to your life. We can almost find that to be like, what is the next latest news story out there? What's the next latest thing that my friend's going to tell me on that cell phone? And we find ourselves just grabbing for noise when we hear the latest sound bite, and then one person says one thing about another someone, and then we take that and run with it. You see, the things and the people and the culture that you listen to, we listen to, will eventually lead you and I. We listen, if we listen to the culture, and we'll always be living for something to truly satisfy the itch. If we keep on, we'll keep on scratching that. If we listen to the doom and gloom on the news, the, the news will be raised about the doom and the gloom around us. And many of us, including myself, have slowly and unknowingly chosen to follow relentless shepherds who are driving us instead of leading us. Many of us, knowingly or unknowingly, have been pointed in a direction that is dangerous to us. And it's this very moment in time that where I'm praying that we would recognize the voices that are competing for our attention. What ground are we truly standing on? What foundation by which we live and really, truly guides our life? What is going to carry us? What voice is going to carry us into now and the life after this? Today's message has to do with the kind of voice we're missing, or we're listening to, maybe we're not, but the kind of voice we're listening to and a challenge this day, a call back to the only one who's able to lead us and guide us into true and lasting life. We began, we've started a series. If you haven't been with us, we've started a series. I'm glad you're here. We have began a series around the person of Jesus and particularly very significant statements that Jesus makes in his ministry. There are seven statements in the gospel of John that Jesus makes across his ministry. These are more than just statements, but these are things in which, why which we place our faith in Jesus and they mean something, and Jesus um, is alive and well. And he makes across this ministry, um, and we're going to look at those seven I am statements. We've looked at the I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I am the true vine. You see, these I am statements recorded in Scripture reveal the depths of the Christian life and how God's children 
ought to live with Jesus and can go deeper with him in the present tense. Paul would be able to say in Galatians 2.20, we should all be able to say, the life that I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And then last week, we affirmed the truth that Jesus is alive. He is in the present tense. These are realities for everybody today that whoever comes to faith can know, whoever comes to faith can know the one true Jesus who revealed himself to in person long ago, but who is alive today. So Jesus is not a was, but Jesus is and is. He's present. And when we believe that Jesus died and rose again and is seated at the right hand of the Father, he didn't die twice. He's on his throne, and he's just as much active in our world as he was 2,000 years ago. And he is alive. And if he is alive, that changes how we live in our relationships and our churches and our families. And we said last week that Jesus claimed to be the light of the world and light of the world. And he did so by healing a blind man in John chapter 9, someone who had never seen the light of day before and whose life was experienced, characterized by darkness. He'd hear murmurs of those walking by and hear about how he was darkness and how his blindness um, characterized his life. But the one day that he met Jesus Christ changed everything for him. Completely made new, significant, sight restored. And so that key verse from last week comes from John 8, 12. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never like that word. Whoever follows me, whoever follows Jesus will never walk in darkness but we'll have the light of life. In John 9, of John's gospel, in John chapter 9, he records an encounter between a blind man and Jesus. And miracles in John's gospel always mean something more. There's a spiritual element behind each miracle. And they tell us about Jesus, and they tell us about ourselves, and a deep spiritual need that we all face, like that blind man. We all need to have our sight restored. And so everything that Jesus does across his ministry does it for a purpose, reveals to us more about God, the heart of God the Father, and reveals more to us about who he is and about what he has done for us. So the healing of the blind man reveals our deep spiritual need for Jesus. So John chapter 10, that's where we are today. Um, you can go there if you have your Bible. But John 10, this is a big picture of this, um, kind of uh, where this is in Jesus's ministry and kind of where this is, right, in, in terms of the story and where Jesus is at. He has been busy, very busy, challenging a very uh, religious group of people that time called the Pharisees. They were a large people um, and who were very strict about observing the Jewish law, and they were very spiritually serious, um, so to speak. So they loved to cast judgment on others in the process. They thought they had right standing with God based on their works, based on their obedience, based on what they thought they knew. And an, an important in today's passage is knowing the audience. He's speaking um, to the crowds, but also he can, we'll find out he's speaking right to the Pharisees and kind of challenging this line of thinking um, and, and fulfills this. And so um, Jesus comes on the scene. He, he comes on the scene and he says that it's not exactly um, your obedience that gets you a right standing with me. Jesus comes on the scene and says, it is only by grace you've been saved through faith. Through, through faith. And so Jesus comes on the scene and he establishes this and he says anybody can come to faith and find life and salvation. And the Pharisees thought, man, this is only for the people who are, are closed or are in, the, are in this and it's only for us and it's only for uh, the people who have this right standing with God because of their obedience. And Jesus is like, no, it's grace. It's everybody can come to faith. 
very one-lay, linear kind of thinking um, and thinking how God should operate. They want to put God in a box, and Jesus says, no, I've come to everybody so everybody can have faith. And so God, um, they thought that God and Jesus shouldn't interact with outcasts and people who were on the margins of society, and God shouldn't be doing things like that. Jesus shouldn't be coming on the scene and healing lepers and the blind and the lame and all that entails. So if you, have, if you want to follow along in the screen, you can do that. It's on page 759 of that Bible in front of you, on uh, chapter 10, or, you, or your phone, tablet, or whatever. Um, but we at this church, we value uh, the Washington Union, we value the preaching and teaching of the scriptures if you don't have a home church, I pray you'd find one that does the same, that does preach and teach from the scriptures faithfully. So John chapter 10, reading verses 1 through 10 together. Jesus says, very truly I tell you Pharisees, <laughs> right from the beginning, he's challenging the Pharisees' line of thinking. Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, thief and a robber. And the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper owns the, opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and what? Leads them out. Didn't you know, isn't it good to know that Jesus Christ knows your name? He knows your name and leads them. And when he has brought out all of his own, notice that, all of them, all everybody, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep what? Follow him, because they know his what? voice, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. And Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the what? The gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. And he says this, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. And they will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief, in contrast to this, comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have what? Life and have it to the full. That's good news. In those days, Jesus was speaking in a language that they could understand. A very familiar language to understand. Very agrarian society in that day. Sheep and shepherds, um, very, very, very common knowledge in that day. Um, so we spend something, for us, it's kind of hard to, you know, sheep and sheep pens, unless you have raised sheep or you've been around that, maybe you've grown up around that as well. But very agrarian society, farmers and shepherds. And in verse 7, we find the key verse, I am the gate for the sheep. Is Jesus saying, I'm the gate for the sheep? Or some translations, maybe your Bible says, I am the door for the sheep. And he says this after the first few verses that there's a gate and then there's a gatekeeper. And in those days, sheep were held literally by a gate. And there was a gatekeeper to keep the sheep contained. And in fact, that was sometimes a full-time job, a gatekeeper uh, to keep the sheep in place and contained. And the sheepfold was an enclosure um, surrounded by a wall of rocks that was too high for the sheep to climb over. Um, the shepherds, so sometimes sheep robbing and thievery were a common thing, so sometimes they would put thorns on the top of this gate so that they could stop people from climbing over the gate uh, and climb over and, and trying to steal sheep. So an opening in the wall allowed the sheep to enter and exit. In a night, the shepherd would lay across the gate, the opening, um, so he would become the door of the sheepfold. 
So no animal or no enemy could come in without the shepherd knowing it. And on the outskirts of many villages, there might be a community sheepfold where all of the shepherds brought their own sheep. And then each flock, this is amazing, each flock would follow its shepherd out of the sheepfold. They would know the, literally know the shepherd's voice. So I don't know about you, but when I began to think about the concept of a gate or a door, some of those mental images came into my mind. Maybe you're thinking about that too. And when you think of a gate or when you think of a door, right, you you think about things that come and go. And there's something on one side and there's something on the other side. And we've heard Jesus say that he is the bread of life. And we've heard him say he's the light of the world. But there's something different about being the gate that kind of just brings the hair up on my neck a little bit about being the gate. And when Jesus says there's a sheepfold and there's someone who opens the gate and then it's this gate, it's almost as if Jesus is almost kind of turning up the heat a little bit on the Pharisees to say a little bit of understanding of who he is. I'm the gate for the sheep. And in those days, shepherds would act as the boundary between the sheep and the front to protect the sheep from thieves and robbers. And during the night, they would lay down across the doorframe so that you couldn't, there's only one way to come in and come out. Um, and so they would understand, they would know where these sheep are coming and going and who might be trying to come in and whatnot. And so during the night, they would say, would, all the sheep would be huddled together. Uh, and Jesus says that there may be some people, including the Pharisees, who might be trying to enter the sheepfold by another way. And the only way to enter the sheepfold is through the gate. And Jesus says, that is through me. You can only enter through me by placing faith in Jesus. You see, any sort of wrong entrance, it's kind of strong here. Jesus says, that person is a thief and a robber going in another way. And the Pharisees, were, they were obsessed with Sabbath keeping. And Jesus, even doing any miracle on the Sabbath was completely out of line and not in their way of thinking. And now, I'm here to tell you today to keep the Sabbath, um, but, but these Pharisees were um, wanting, they don't want Jesus to even do a miracle on the Sabbath. Um, so keep the Sabbath, it's a gift. But when we think of this, Jesus heals the blind man just in a previous chapter, and the Pharisees are still questioning Jesus. They had seen the true light of the world literally give sight to the blind, and literally give us, and they're still debating and wondering about who he is. And Jesus is saying that entering in any other way is improper. Any other way can't be done. God's people, you and I, are very commonly referred to sheep and shepherds, and very peculiar as well, because sheep are very dependent on their shepherd to guide them for everything, survival and protection and assurance and safety. Sheep have to rely on the shepherd. And in those days, shepherds went ahead of their sheep, and he led the way for the sheep. And sheep are completely dependent creatures who depend on the good shepherd. God's people are always described as sheep. In Isaiah 40, 10 through 11, it says that, See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and he rules with a mighty arm, and he, see, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a what? Shepherd, and he gathers the lambs in his arms, and he carries them close to his heart, and he gently leads those who have young. And Acts 20, 28 reminds us that it says to keep watch over yourselves, speaking about the church, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he has blot with his own blood. Hebrews 13, 20 to 21 says that may the God of peace, who through the blood of his internal covenant 
brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. In fact, God's people are always called sheep. In fact, the Bible speaks more about sheep than any other animal. About 300 times sheep comes up in the Bible. So it says a lot about our deep need, what we refer to as sheep, <coughs> excuse me, and about the one who is leading us. Jesus saying that only through him can anyone enter the sheepfold. Only through Jesus can people be saved and be a part of that fold. And there's only one way to be saved, and that's only one way, and that is through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. And Jesus says that in order to go into the fold, you have to go through me. And let's be honest with ourselves, church. We live in a world that often celebrates and promotes tolerance at the cost of truth. Exclusivity, this one way, that Jesus is the one way, isn't popular. A world that prides itself on maybe your truth is your truth, and what's true for me may be not, what's true for you may not be true for me. But when it comes to us talking about money or medicine or measurements, that statement would not stand. When it comes to money or medicine or measurements, there are absolutes that just cannot be denied. If a friend, for instance, okay, if a friend owed you $100 and he tried to pay you with 10 $1 bills, would you accept that payment? Or if he argued that a $1 bill was the same as a $10 bill, would you agree? Or suppose your pharmacist used arsenic instead of aspirin in your medication, <laughs> which... Um, would you swallow that medicine? If a carpenter built you a bookcase 10 inches, 10 inches uh, wide and 8 inches tall instead of 10 feet wide and 8 feet tall and said an inch is as good as a foot, would you pay him for his work, right? And if we want absolutes in matters of measurement and money and medicine, why not absolutes in matters of personal morality and faith? Why not? Why not in spiritual matters too? We look for straightforward answers in all those areas, right? We want the exact medication that we have to. I mean, we have, if we have a higher dose of medication, that's pretty lethal. It's pharmacy. And Jesus is giving us clarity right here as to who he is and why he's here and that he's from God. And the Pharisees were blind to this fact that Jesus is who he says he was, and he's right there in front of them. All the miracles done right in front of him. And it says Jesus is offering us very clearly that through him is the only way to enter. That through him. So what does the Lord mean as the door or the gate? What does this mean? And so um, G. Campbell Morgan was a really famous preacher back in the day. And he was traveling across the Atlantic on a steamer. And he noticed among the passengers was Sir George Adam Smith. And he was a really famous Old Testament scholar, Bible scholar of the day. The greatest preacher of the time, Morgan, and the greatest scholar, Smith, had a great time as they traveled together. And Morgan said that among the tales that George told them was this one tale. He said that one day that Smith was traveling with a guide in the Middle East and came across a shepherd and his sheep, and he fell into a conversation with him. The man showed him the fold into which the sheep were led at night, and it consisted of four walls with a one-way in. Sir George said to him, they, this is where they go at night, right? And the shepherd replied, yes. He said, when they're in there, they're perfectly safe. And Sir George said, but there's no door. And the shepherd replied, I am the door. And this wasn't a Christian man, nor he was not speaking in the language of the New Testament of the Bible here. 
He was speaking from a shepherd's standpoint of that day. And the shepherd said, and Sir George looked at him and said, what do you mean by the door? What do you mean that you're the door? And the shepherd replied, when the light is gone and all the sheep are inside, I lie in that open space. And no sheep ever goes out but across my body. And no wolf comes in unless he lay across my body. I am the door. I love that little story. This is the Lord's meaning in this passage, that Jesus was saying, I am the living door. In order to go into the fold, you have to come through me. And likewise, to go out into pasture, you have to also go through me. And as the door, he is our protector, and he is also our provider. When you come in the door, you're not only saved, but you're safe. When you go through me, you can go out to pasture. I am the provider. Nobody is coming through that door except the one who comes through me. And the last part of verse 9, Jesus is saying that the saved go in and out and find pasture, which leads to the claim in verse 10, that they may have life and have it abundantly. And Christ provides abundant life for his sheep. Acts 4.12 reminds us that salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Romans 10.9 says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be what? Saved. And to be saved is to go through the gate, to know life and have it abundantly. As Jesus says in John 10, is to place one's trust and faith in Jesus as Lord over your life. To say, yes, Lord, it's as simple as, as what Romans is saying right there. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, as simple as that, you will be saved. To say, yes, Lord, you are the only way now into eternity. I believe in you and your word, and I trust what you say is true. But why is it we ignore that? Why is it we ignore the good shepherd? Why is it despite Jesus saying all these I am statements and across all his ministry and then eventually dying and being raised to life, why do we ignore that? Why might we be ignoring the claims of Jesus in John 10.10? You see, I can remember a time early in high school <laughs> or, or you're like, oh boy. Um, no, high school, that once there was one study hall, I had a study hall class in high school um, and uh, when I say study hall, it was a lot of my friends in there, so you can imagine what that was like. But we had talked, we had gotten to some shenanigans or whatever and, and talked about visiting an abandoned house nearby. Okay, so you imagine a group of early high school students just wanting to go visit an abandoned house, okay? Um, and so, of course, everyone seemed to talk about the house, and we kind of just like kind of kept talking about it for a couple days and, you know, a couple days come on in and we're like, yeah, we're going to go see this. And this is a good group of friends, by the way, but um, they're talking about going to look at this house. Um, and I would not recommend that, um, just so we know. I'm not endorsing this at all. Um, but so once, so there, were, there seemed to be bits and pieces about this house. Um, and I guess the owner might have been like the owner of Juicy Fruit, Maybe, this is a rumor, I don't know if that's true or not, but possibly the owner was the juicy fruit juice boxes thing. You remember those? I don't know if they're still out there or not. Um, but the, so one evening we were all hanging out and then 15 of us mustered up the courage to go to that house. The suspense was real and the hype was simply around entering the house. So as we walked to the front door, we all wondered what could be behind that door. I don't, again, I'm not endorsing this, Okay. <laughs> What could be behind that door? And then it's, as we walked through, we just found a bunch of broken glass and nothing major, newspapers. And as we walked through that front door, we wondered, what's behind that door? 
Suspense. What could be behind that door and the next door? And there's often a suspense to that. And I often think that when we're on the fence of really following Jesus, we wonder if the claims that he makes is really true. What is really behind that door for me? Is what his claims are making is, are they make sense? Are they actually true? Is he really the bread of life? Does he really satisfy the hunger? Is he really the light of the world? Is he really the source of life and life abundant? All of those, those are the questions that the Pharisees were asking then, and it hasn't changed now. We know what's behind that door. He's promised us what's behind the door. He's promised us that. So what's required? What is required to go through that door? It means to place our full weight and trust in the finished work of Jesus. To place our faith and finished work in the trust of Jesus. Jesus says an I am statement in John 14, 6, which we'll get to, but he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And in John 10, it provides clarity for us that come through the gate because the gate's open. Jesus' work on Calvary is not exclusive to anyone. If it's for anyone, Jesus came that nobody should perish, but that everybody should have eternal life through him. The gate is open. It's finished. It's forever done. And that's the great work about Easter. It's the great work in the news about today. That it is free, that it is Jesus, that he has given us life and life to the fullest. That is the message today. And we have the decision to walk through that gate. He says, I am the gate. It only can come through me. To place our faith in the work of Jesus, confessing with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And here's the great news, church, that he calls you by name and he knows and he leads you. In those days, deserts were treacherous, where these sheepfolds were treacherous. And the places that house these sheep pens in the land of the Bible is actually very quite mixed in terrain. In fact, you would go in the land of the Bible, it's like a, a desert, it's thousands and hundreds of miles of desert. And then there's city of Jerusalem, and it's just, it's just spans, and it's, it's just crazy terrain. And shepherds would have to watch their flocks at night. And we know that from the Christmas story, from the birth of Jesus, and we hear that from the echoes of that story. Um, and a common practice, thievery and stealing sheep was a common thing. And it takes little convincing here today to remind us that our world is very treacherous. It is quite apparent that this world is very broken. And it can be a very dark place. But do you know that Jesus knows your name? And he calls you by name. The voice of the shepherd is one who leads us, calls us even here today. Your name on God's mind here and now. None of the flock are left behind. All follow the voice of the shepherd, and because they know the voice of the shepherd, and the shepherd leads. You see, sheep are prone to wander. This is why Jesus calls us sheep. He knows we're prone to wander. It seems to me that Jesus knows a lot about us, and he's, the voice is the voice of the shepherd knocking on your door today. It's the voice of the shepherd knocking on your door. Primary, these are kind of primary ways through God speaks to us. Very just primary ways that God that God would hear. We could hear his voice. And it takes discernment as well. And through his word, and by his spirit, and through others, and through prayer. Through his word. We know that this word is living and active and sharper and two-edged sword. And I and I kind of started today with that silence message because Oftentimes, I just wonder, do we sit in this? Does this, and it's a challenge for all of us, including myself, do we sit in this? Do we turn off the noises, the dings on our phone, and do we listen to God's word? And do we listen to this? This is what Jesus is telling us about ourselves. Do we listen to this? 
um, through other people, through the Holy Spirit, through others. Other people can also be people in which God speaks. We know this through the scriptures as well. And also God can speak to us through times of prayer. When we have a relationship with God and grow with him in times of prayer and solitude with him as well. But here's the good news is that Jesus promises to us that in the desert, among the perilous and chaotic voices that this world may offer, that he will always lead us. Always lead us. Among all of the perilous and chaotic voices, he will always lead us. And Jesus brings clarity. His voice brings forth clarity. It is Satan who clamors for our attention. And as we discern the voice of God and listen to the voice of God, we will no doubt be thwarted off the truth of Jesus. That's, Satan will never tell you to share your faith, nor will he ever tell you the truth about Jesus. Do you hear the voice of the good shepherd calling you this morning? The voice of the shepherd that says this, you can fill in your name, I'm not finished with you, blank. I began a good work in you, blank. It's not over for you and your family, blank. You don't have to be carrying that weight around you, blank. Did you come carrying some weight this morning? Stones in a backpack with very debilitating weight on it. Regret for the last time maybe you lost your temper. Regret for the day you lost control. Regret for the moment you lost your pride. Regret for the years you lost your priorities. Too busy, led by the good shepherd? Or are we too busy trying to take the lead in our own life? Are we too busy not letting the good shepherd listen to his voice leading us? It was never the intention for the sheep to take the lead. Go with me here just for a second. In my imagination, I know. Go with here just for a second. God called Moses, the age of 80, mopping floors. He's tending sheep, but you know what I mean. He's mopping floors. God called Matthew while at the IRS tax booth. Okay? Tax collecting. God called Abraham enjoying retirement at the age of 75. And while we may not be in those exact circumstances, I know a lot of people in just very ordinary Western Pennsylvania circumstances that God calls. People longing for home, and Jesus calls us to himself. Longing for home, a place of security, a place of protection, a person who will protect. And his name is Jesus. The gate is open wide. And what's required? You and me. I reminded of this song as I close. I was reminded of these lyrics of this song. Worship team, will you come on up? I'll just remind these of these songs. Oh, yes, communion. Thank you. My wife reminds me of that, and or she'll hold up a sign saying, slow down, just so we know. <laughs> I just lost everybody. Okay, sorry. Um, I just reminded of this song. You've heard this. To God be the glory, great things he hath done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son who yielded his life, our redemption to win and open the life gate that all may go in. A good song. O perfect redemption, the purchase of blood to every believer, the promise of God. The vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus, that moment from Jesus a pardon receives. Amen? If you have your communion cups, will we take a communion together, Lord's Supper?